Welcome to the David Bennett Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about the stress of sales and looking at a practical and a spiritual response. And I'm joined today by Ben Drakes, a very well-respected enterprise sales and mindfulness coach. Ben, it's a real pleasure to have you on the podcast. Why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Thanks. Thanks, David. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess I would be called a sales trainer, a coach um, would be the label that you'd put on me these days. It wasn't always that way. I, I started out in the corporate world, gosh, way back in the late 90s in sales. I joined, I, I was a terrible academically <laughs> so uh, I left university after six months and got a job um, just working working in London in a shop and eventually I got a sales administrator role at computer center that was in 1997 wow. and I was totally green and didn't know what the hell I was doing I was actually actually drowned in that job role um, at first um, and then wind forward to 2003 and I did really well I got the top seller spot at computer center I say I got the top seller spot I was working with a phenomenal team and yeah. we did something really special together but I went on that journey um, that many at Softcat are on now. And what's strange is that not that much has changed in all that time. The text, the technology's changed. But of course, what hasn't changed is that customers buy you first, and then they buy your products and service, whatever it might be. So that emotional way in which people buy hasn't changed and probably will never change. So so then I moved from computer center, I went into outsourcing, I wanted to go and kind of get involved in contracting to deliver business outcomes. And of course, the, the overall deal sizes were bigger. And, and so I moved into outsourcing, and I totally drowned <laughs> in outsourcing at first, uh, really was thrown in at the deep end. And then, you know, again, my, my team became you know, really successful. And we, gosh, we closed out on uh, over a billion pounds worth of outsourcing deals. So we did, we, we, yeah, we did well financially, but, um, but, but, but also hopefully brought some amazing value to our customers. Uh, so, and then, and then I guess what changed for me was in 2009, my kids were born, had twins. I've got Layla and Ben Jr. It's a story around that as well. But anyway, Ben Jr. really, really ill when he was when he was born. He had a congenital heart defect, and he had open heart surgery at Great Ormond Street at the age of six months. Uh, so I I went from running big ticket sales outsourcing campaigns one day, and then literally the next day, your world yeah, literally changed and went upside yeah. down. Yeah, things and you then, that and could control to suddenly things that are outside your control, I guess. So, totally, totally. And I'd never experienced it before. I've, I've always been, touch wood, been healthy and never really spent any time in hospital. And then, um, then I went through that experience. And then latterly, my son was diagnosed with a uh, genetic syndrome called Fragile X syndrome and kind of like autism. Um, and he's got lifelong special needs. So, so, so I went through that. So, and then when you go through the kind of Great Ormond Street experience, something shifts inside you, and you 
don't really I didn't really know what it was but I knew something had changed inside me um so when I could I went back into the the outsourcing sales world and I did that for another four years I guess and then when I came out of the corporate world I literally did not know what to do and I was walking through a field with my uh, partner she's now my wife and I uh you know after a couple of years still didn't know what to do and then suddenly I realized that I wanted to do something to help people and that that was it it was just kapow so um so I decided I thought well what can I do to help anybody uh and I thought well why don't I go and help salespeople and and but I want to help salespeople be more successful professionally but I think the real problem is what's going on up here and I discovered that about myself. Yeah, and, and we had our first sales coaching session. Well, I'd, I'd done a group session with you, and we learned some really cool um, sales methodologies that you use around qualifying and specifics, which um, one of my team was in your session yesterday around specifics, and she said how great the session was. Um, but we ended up having a real spiritual conversation, didn't we? Because you, you kind of mentioned things changed for you in that area as well, and actually um, – yeah, it's something that's also impacted some of the business uh, and coaching things that you do. So, yeah, tell us a bit about that. Yeah, sure. Yeah, again, um, I had a, another realization, and often I now I now know that often going through something very very traumatic is kind of like a bit of an awakening. Um, and I guess my experience of that was when my son was very ill I was would lie awake in the morning yeah sorry at at four o'clock in the morning in bed lying awake and my head my mind is kind of spinning with future possible scenarios like negative scenarios right totally understandable when you have a child who's gravely ill but the realization for me was yeah but hang on Ben you're like this all of the time you're always worrying about future scenarios that don't end up happening and I just realized yes you know sugar I'm bringing myself a lot of suffering unnecessarily and and I didn't really know I didn't really understand that and and then one morning I was lying there you know nice comfortable warm safe bed couldn't go to sleep minds whirring with all this stuff and I was listening to the radio and I was listening to the radio just to have something there to distract me from my own mind <laughs> and someone on the radio just mentioned in passing oh yeah there's this book called the power of now uh, by a guy called Eckhart Tolle and I downloaded it right there and then on audible and started listening to it and then I was like Oh, and because he obviously talks about being in the present moment and the whole time your mind's kind of chatting, you know, the Buddhists would call it the monkey mind, you know, chattering away and jumping all over the place. Um, And that's not you. That's not who you are. But if you're identified with it and you let it carry you away, then it creates a whole world of suffering. And that was my one of my I guess I call it my kind of like awakening to what anxiety is and I then look back at my life I realized I'd 
been had, had a lot of problems issues with anxiety uh since my teenage years yeah. didn't never stop me being successful but along the way yeah it was it was I, I went through some really really hard times i remember the year i was most successful at computer center for example so of you know doing really well nice car nice house you know all the trappings of success uh and that's the same year I drove out of the HQ up in Hatfield then, uh, and I had to pull over by the side of the road because I couldn't see. I was hot. I felt my heart was racing. My vision had gone. My hearing had gone. And it was kind of put down to stress. You're working too hard. Yeah. wasn't stress. wasn't work-related stress. It was anxiety, um, uh, uh, yeah, kind of. Uh, hyper, would you, would you, hyper level. you know good mental health and, and things like that as well would you associate the word mental health to those in terms of um just how healthy you were in your in your in your mind at that point uh yeah i never really thought about it back then um i think it's fantastic the way we've got the the focus on mental health now and yes yeah, certainly definitely for me now looking back yeah definitely struggled with that aspect of my mental health and you know we're human beings right there's the reason we have anxiety is guess what that's what used to keep us alive and you know we've been around for a very very long time and it used to be extremely uh, useful as a as a as, as a mechanism for survival but i never understood how if you have kind of overactive thinking what the, that then triggered within your body, your, your, your nervous system that causes that physical response to it. And I guess that's the difference between having, yeah, I worry a lot to actually, no, I've got to pull over by the side of the road because it's just affecting my, my, my physiology. Yeah, absolutely. And let's, let's go into some of that stuff. And thanks for the intro. And, and it's been a, been a real pleasure to, to have met you on that sales coaching journey. And, um, we're going to we're going to talk specifically about the stress of sales because I'm aware. I mean, I've done sales for 21 years, and and actually, when I look back, I think actually, I sometimes you just get through by pure grit and determination. But it might not have been the best thing for you, and actually, you don't have to exist in in that inv in that uh, environment between your head to a degree. You can you can make it easier, and so we're going to cover and and just have a conversation really about some of the practical things that we can do to manage stress and also I love that we've got a different perspective and we were able to have a really enjoyable conversation at least from my side it was um, about spirituality without getting into an argument about who's right and wrong and just sharing our beliefs in a comfortable way without imposing them on each other which made me feel really relaxed that we could bring that into this conversation because I don't think we're going to get into a big argument because we're we're similar guys that respect each other's view and right to have a different view but it's also fun to talk about it with people that just are willing to talk about it in an open and safe way um yeah so it, it's probably the benefit of doing this podcast and having this discussion outside of the work context because when i'm whenever i'm doing a, a seminar uh, for the sales guys in softcat i would always respect the softcat culture i would always respect the place that i work and the environment that i'm in and therefore, I will use the appropriate language and permission I have to, to, to share what I what I believe in versus the company values. And, and more often than not, I'm sharing company ethos and values with my spin on it, whereas this is an opportunity to share you know, purely what I think. So I'm quite excited about that. 
Um, but I, I am really excited about the practical element because in, in the current climate, not, you know, I'm finding myself thinking about what's my mental, physical health like managing lockdown. How am I, um, how am I managing the stress of working from home, being not just productive and motivated, but having self-care and having a good thought process and having good discipline and having enough in the tank to be giving back to my family and my friends and the community that I serve and all those things. So it all boils down to managing that stress. So one of the, one of the first questions that I had, and I was, I'm really interested in your view is actually, um, what, why is stress so sales? Why is sales so stressful? What, what's your view on that? Why is it just a stressful job? And I'm just, I'm just closing my window because I'm competing with um, sirens over here in <laughs> sunny East London. Uh, so let's talk about stress. Uh, let's talk about the difference between stress and pressure. I like pressure. You probably like pr- pressure, and most of the people who who I I work with in sales. They thrive a bit on pressure. I don't mind pressure. Pressure is fine. Stress is different. Stress is, I want to be here. Uh, sorry, I want, I'm here. I want to be over there, but I can't get there at all. So that, that then is stress. Like if someone gave you a trip quadrupled your target, that would cause you stress. Whereas if they put it up by 25%, it just puts a bit more pressure on you. So that's, that's, that's kind of the difference between stress and pressure pressure um the the why sales stressful well if you think about how in the medical world in the medical science world how do they test the bodies the human body's reaction to stress well what they do is they put you in a social stress test (laughs) and if you i use this slide on my mindset and mindfulness course um and and there's this student I think she's at Harvard University and so she's volunteered to go into the social stress test so she walks into the room and there's two people sat behind desk there's a lighting there's a video camera she's stood in front of a microphone and the lady behind the desk says to her okay we're starting the test now Um, you've got to count backwards from 1000 in increments of six and I'm going to time you. And she starts saying to this poor student, you're going too slow, you're getting it all wrong. Meanwhile, the guy sat next to her is just silent like that, (laughs) staring at her, just giving her negative body language. So that is how the medical world, without doing anything horrible to you, put a human being under phenomenal amounts of stress and then they measure her hormone levels and her you know her, her physical reaction so why is the social stress test any different from to me presenting to a cio who doesn't really you know doesn't know me doesn't really want to give me their time maybe especially on over zoom for example well everyone's kind of giving you negative body language they're still right it's totally it's um they don't mean to be doing it but they're giving you negative body language and you are then in the exact same position as the student participant at harvard doing the social stress test yeah so that is the amount of pressure and if you look at um I don't know, presentation, for example. I can't remember where it comes in the list of things fear most, but the fear of death <laughs> comes below <laughs> the fear of 
pre presenting right. So, so first of all, I just like to try and build awareness for people that this thing we're doing is putting a lot of pressure on us and that's fine and we need a way of managing that because the knock-on effect of being under a lot of pressure and I think you alluded to it it can cause you health problems it can cause you physical health problems mental health problems it can make you not such a nice person to be around at home so it starts of course having an impact on your your loved ones your friends so we need to recognize that what we do as sellers is phenomenal amounts of stress for 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 our bodies and our minds and 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 just that recognition is the starting point and then we go on to well what do we do about that then and that's, that, that's that, the next part on that point of recognition i think there was a real awakening for me it was probably eight years ago or so i took our ceo at the time to a big customer presentation we were doing a presentation to all of their teams it was the final stage of winning this client and as we were waiting in reception this guy is a hyper, you know, super successful guy, someone I, I really respected. And he was being very quiet in reception. He was sort of pacing up and down. And then I realized he was nervous. And I don't know why, but I just was, I was, I was taking him to the meeting with me. So I wouldn't be nervous because he was my kind of comfort blanket. He was the, he was like the dad and I was like the kid going to the meeting. You know, he was the one who was going to keep me secure. And then I thought to myself, wow, you know, we're all just human beings. We get nervous in these situations and, and, um, it's normal. And, and, you know, when you're presenting to people that it means a lot to you, you've invested a lot of work, you know, it could be the difference between you being successful in, in your role. It could be the, the difference of your team being successful. It could be the difference of your office being successful if, if you win a deal. And, and actually, I think the one thing that I think sometimes people may not understand within sales is, is there is a point where it, it, your job is on the line, you know, there, and there are different organizations that have a different level of, um, pressure and stress they put on an individual based on performance but i think the thing that that sometimes maybe people don't consider as much as, as sales is a performance game and so the level and the variance of performance having been doing it for 21 years and knowing i've got a long way to go to me that that sales seems to be somewhere the performance gap from you know being your Sunday league football player to Lionel Messi or being a an average tennis player to being the number one tennis player in the world. Sales is a bit like that. There's a big gap to being a salesperson and actually being excellent. And therefore it can come with a lot of pressure because it's it the measurement of success can often be performance related. So how are you performing? Um, and the other thing that I, I have noticed as well for myself is the other trap that we can get into with performance is that because it is performance related, the things that can add to the stress and the mental health element are quite often our value in an organization to a degree is based on our performance because it's very clear metrically measured. How are you performing against your number? And it's very easy to associate your net worth and your value as an individual to your performance, which means sales is great when you're doing good and you could be feeling great. But there are always times in sales where you just have a bad quarter. You, you know, I spoke to someone recently in the business that I work in who, after four years of hitting every target, missed their first number. It's like, wow, I've never missed my number before. So you get to a point where everyone at some point will experience missing their number. And it's very easy to now think your worth and your value is, is diminished because you're, you could associate it to that. So I think there's that human element of stress that comes in. It's not just about the the pressure you're under, but it's like your value and your performance are all 
are all part of this thing that builds up this big stress pot, right? Um, yeah. One thing that I, I've been doing as well that I wanted to share with you, because um, I've been doing a mental health first aider course for Softcats. So I'm, I'm going to be one of the mental health first aiders, which I'm really excited about. And they call the mental health, um, I think it's MHFA. I don't know if it's mental health for England or something like that. But it's the official mental health program that we're, we're signed under in my company. And um, they have this thing called a stress container. And it, they kind of talk about it. Actually, everyone's got a different level of size of stress container. And interestingly, there's different times in your life where things can cause that stress container to overflow. And you mentioned it. And it was one of the things that came up when I did my seminar was actually we might be able to manage our work stresses. But the second outside stresses come in, like having kids for the first time, like moving house and buying your first house, you know, like being in a serious relationship and getting married and experiencing you know, I did marriage counseling for a year, not because we were going to get divorced, because we just wanted to strengthen our relationship. Hmm. You know, you suddenly you start adding these external pressures in and they all impact your sales role, which is already a quite highly pressured role. Um, so how, what, what are some of your practical tips for managing stress? Uh, so, 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 uh, so first of all, just to, to your point, I think you, you make a really good point that, that everybody we're all human beings. That means we're all fighting our own inner battle. That's got nothing to do with work. That's just that we, we all have it. I'm open about mine. I, I have this anxiety thing. Well, I kind of, I, I used to, I'm, I manage it now. I'm going to come and talk, talk about how I manage it. Anxiety in the moment when I'm under, under, under social pressure and the social stress in the, under the moment. And, that, and just generally, how do I, I want to reduce that? That negative feeling inside me um so but everybody's fighting their own inner battle and when i started doing sales coaching for example and we you, you've uh, touched on it yourself david we we quickly stop talking about selling anything and start talking about what's going on up here what are we and if you boiled it all down it would be to what am i thinking about yeah what am I thinking about? Um, as I've said, my issue is I'm thinking too much about possible future scenarios that never end up happening. Some people think about stuff that's happened in the past, either stuff that they are maybe getting a, a little bit too um, uh, emotional about that wasn't really that bad, or some people have had some really, really terrible stuff happen to them in the past. And so that then keeps bubbling up. So it's thoughts. What we're talking about is thoughts. And so, so when I do sales coaching, I don't view it as sales coaching. I view it as let's let's talk about how we're feeling. And the, so, so the practical strategy and it starts with being open. And there's the whole thing about being vulnerable. And if you go read Brene Brown, she she's like wonderful uh, writing books about being vulnerability, managing feelings of shame and all that sort of thing. And, and so if I'm going onto a high pressure situation, I'm first going to say how I feel. Yeah. If I'm feeling nervous, I say I'm feeling nervous. If it's the first time I've done something, uh, doing something like I'm facilitating a workshop in a, in a way, maybe using specifics. Oh, I, remember, talking... I remember when, when we did our group session and it was the start of lockdown, you said, guys, this is the first time I've done an online training uh, 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 oh, wow. session. I remember you saying that. So you, you do yeah. do that. Yeah. Now, now what, 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 what does that do? Well, um, it, 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 it helps me. It makes me feel better 
that I've shared how I'm f- feeling inside. Does that cause everyone else to think of me? Oh, he's not so great. Or no, no it doesn't. It, it, what it actually does, it does the opposite. It provokes compassion from other people. They want generally they people want you to succeed. And so, first of all, I lead on vulnerability. I just say how I'm feeling. Yeah, I love that. Just say how I'm feeling. Um, and and that in itself is huge. And then lots of times people don't say how they're feeling at home, right? People that I didn't used to tell people that, yeah, I've got this kind of anxiety thing. And, you know, I didn't used to say anything about it. Well, now I do. I talk, I talk about it. And so, and, and so that helps me too. So I, first of all, I lead on vulnerability in any situation, but particularly if I'm really feeling under pressure. It's or, a really interesting point, isn't it? Because we, we think, I'm not sure if we're ever taught it, but we think we're supposed to look super confident and so, you know, confidence is a word in sales you used to hear a lot of. It's not something I've heard of in the last 10 years or so, but, you know, it's almost like just act confident. Even if you weren't confident, it was like you were supposed to act confident. And, and actually there was, a, there was a, you know, even power dressing, you know, that was a thing that people would often talk about, you know. And it's funny because that's gone out the, the way with, you know, now no one wears a suit for, for you know, it's virtual meetings. It's, it's funny, but there was always that display of strength rather than vulnerability. So I think that's really interesting you pick that up. I really like that. Yeah, it puts a lot of pressure on you. If you want to be the big sort of star and I'm wonderful, I'm a great salesperson, captivating presenter, and then you put yourself under a huge amount of pressure, right? (laughs) You just put put yourself under way too much unnecessary pressure. And something's going to come along and knock you. Right. That's what's going to happen. And so so leading on vulnerability is number one. Number two is understanding how your body responds to high pressure situations and how your body can respond to even just negative thoughts that that, that come into your mind, especially those like old gramophone record thoughts, you know, the ones they're consistent, they're the same over and over again. And so I want need to understand that if I'm going to deal with any worry, anxiety, thinking about the past too much, whatever it might be. And so, so what I do first is I realize that the voice in my head saying this stuff, I can watch it. I can observe that voice. And that was one of the most biggest realizations for me was, oh, yeah, I'm so if I'm not the voice in my head and I can watch it and hear it speaking, then what am I? And we'll come on to that because that's the spiritual part. <laughs> so, so, so what, 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 what am I? So I can hear my, 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 so my mind, my anxious mind at five o'clock in the morning, the thoughts will still be there. The difference is I look at, I watch them and I kind of smile at them and go, Oh, there you are again. Uh, you know, Tim, we agree on that. So this is interesting. This is one of the things that, I would say this is a point we agree. And again, we'll come on to the spiritual stuff that we're just going to focus on the practical. But for me, I I consider my body to be like a vehicle that I'm driving spiritually, right? So if if um, if my mind is telling me stuff, it's there to do a job. It's a, a physical thing um, that is is helping me, but it isn't driving me. I am still driving the vehicle. And there are signs and there's warnings and there's signals, but those signals aren't they don't define me. They're there as a warning system. You need those things, but sometimes they go a bit haywire and they panic. And so you have to sometimes listen to those warnings. But I think sometimes there can be the understanding by some people, and some people may believe that, that 
they are yours, that you own them, that that's you saying it. And, and to me, it's like, it is my body telling me this stuff as a warning, but A, I can control it. It isn't, it isn't defined as me. <clears throat> and, um, and yeah, that, that's something I think we kind of, we, we both kind of agree on, I think. Yeah, de- 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 def- definitely. And then, and then, it, then it, the next part is that um, you're driving your body spiritually. And I, I, would, I would call that consciousness. Yeah. So I'd say that's the consciousness of the, but we, let's not get lost in terms. Yeah. Then, but before we get to that, I guess, we didn't need to understand that what happens when my body goes into fight, flight or freeze stress response mode, which is what happened to me driving my car, which I had to pull over pull over to the side of the road now what happens is and, and that mechanism is phenomenal if you're in a real emergency so uh, the example I use is I was running a workshop last year I was walking across a technology park in Amsterdam looking at my phone of course you know thinking about the workshop getting a bit nervous about it and I stepped out in, in, in the road and a car just I just saw, caught out the corner of my eye, this car speeding around the corner. It was going to hit me. Now, at that point, I didn't think through, hmm, what are my options here? No, instantly and totally, my body went into fight, flight, uh, f- uh, fight, flight, freeze, stress response mode, in this case, flight, to get everything all the power to, and energy to my legs to get me the hell out of the way of that car. <laughs> and so it kept me alive. Now, that's a wonderful uh, uh, thing to happen in that moment, but I don't want that when I'm walking out in front of the group to deliver in the workshop to deliver my presentation. I was like you down the road. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, 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 so the problem is, is we need to have a strategy for dealing with fight flight freeze when it's not appropriate when we're not in an emergency and let's face it most of the time we are not but let me just go back to the car so the car that was going to run me over and so what my body did is it said right there's only one thing that we need to do now and that's get all of our energy to our legs to get out of the way of that car so what my body did is it made some really like instantaneous decisions it said okay we're going to put your heart rate up we're going to put your blood pressure up it's not important for you to digest any food right now so we stop all digesting of food it's not important for you to hear right now so you, your hearing's now gone which is why in, in a real emergency often people do find that that, that, that their hearings they just lost their sense of hearing and we're going to focus your narrow your vision and focus it on the threat which in this case is the car all of that happens. So every single one of my organs in my body and every muscle, because all it's going to tense up my muscles, right? All my muscles are going to get really tense. That's all happened in an instant. Yeah. And I get and I get and I get out of the way of the car. So that's what's happened. So what controlled that? Well, what controlled that was our the, my body's autonomic nervous system. And that autonomic nervous system is split into two. It has the sympathetic nervous system which is the part of the nervous system that's associated with fight flight freeze and it has the parasympathetic nervous system which is the part of the uh, which is often called rest and digest so if everything's fine and i'm chilled and i'm just like 
all relaxed. My body's using its parasympathetic nervous system, but in an instant it can switch to sympathetic. And it and throughout the day we tend to go through, you know, moving from one of those states to another. So say for example, when the car's gone, I'm like. Oh, you idiot, you nearly got yourself killed. Uh, my body detects the threat's gone and it moves to using its parasympathetic nervous system. My heart rate comes down, my vision opens up again. Oh, I breathe now, not back to that nice deep breathing, and I calm and my body starts digesting its breakfast, it's eaten, whatever it's doing. So, so so that's what happens. So we need to get in inside that process and start stop it when our body's gone to the sympathetic nervous system fight flight freeze stress response and we can use our bodies and we can use our minds to do that either in the moment uh when when we're about to go into a high pressure situation or during um uh, high pressure situations so for example i'm breathe the whole time i'm speaking to you i'm breathing correctly you can see i'm stood up I'm feeling the floor through my feet. I've got all, all these little micro strategies and I, I use my peripheral vision a lot. I've got all these little micro strategies that um, uh, help me keep calm. But also the other thing that happens when you go fight, flight or freeze is you can't think. Your cognitive recall has been shut down because that is not important right now. And so when you see people presenting and they're under a lot of pressure, and they start kind of going into that freeze mode, even though they've done lots of rehearsal, lots of practice, they know what's on their slides, they can't think. And so I'm breathing, deliberately breathing correctly to keep my body in that nice, calm rest rest and digest zone because it keeps my cognitive recall open. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. No, it's great. And I, it's interesting when I, um, it just made me think actually I um I had about 10 years of having a really sensitive bowel and I went to see the best specialist in the country um really great doctor called Dr Levi really lovely man and um it got to the point where I, was like, Look, I don't think there's anything wrong with you you know like we started talking about how often I was taking holiday you take one big holiday a year start talking about stress at work and it, and it made me realize actually maybe I wasn't in that rest and digest, <laughs> digest zone very often maybe I was always living in that kind of um you know, hectic zone of, of sales. And, and it's it's been really helpful for me as I've managed my diet a little bit better. I do, cha- I have changed my diet, but actually it, it's can't, you can't do that alone and you need that rest. Um, one of the things that came up for some of the young people that I spoke to about stress, um, some people mentioned about having family and having kids. Um, they mentioned about um, actually um, just the missing of interaction and being at home creates that that kind of loneliness and then the, your mind can go wandering because quite often you know we're when we're interacting with people we're to some degree we do it quite subconsciously so we're not consciously overthinking and we, we're getting fed kind of in our within ourselves that keeps our spirits up and so that can that can help with maybe more with mental health and, and specific stress um one of the big things that came up that, that i think has a big impact on stress is that risk of failure and again personal failure maybe being associated to then that impacting on your value and and so actually that the one thing that, that i spent quite a lot of time talking about was fear and so just the the impact of fear and i love the acronym false evidence appearing real that's like my favorite fear analogy because a bit like what you, what you said 
actually a lot of this stuff is that amygdala, you know, triggered flight or flight response in your brain based on potentially false evidence appearing real so that you're not actually in danger, but your, your brain and your body think you are. And so it's, it's about being able to own that and manage that. So um, I know there's the, you know, from the mental health training I've done, there's the practical stress um, relievers such as good sleep and getting rest. There's the um, things like I'm doing now, I've, I've cut gluten out of my diet and, I, and I've cut dairy out of my diet and I'm just eating food that works better for me because what I found is when my body was maybe not getting the nutrients it needed, actually my emotions and my stress levels, that managing of my fear, fight, flight or, or flight, sort of the whole management of my body became a lot harder if I was tired under, you know, not underfed, but maybe not getting the nutrients I needed because I wasn't eating the foods that agreed with my body. And, um, you know, and actually socializing and, and being with people and, and getting that kind of um, interaction for me, they were things that practically had a, had a real big impact. Um, is there anything else on a practical side that you would say are, um, are things that you think are, are helpful? Cause I'm really keen to get into some of the spiritual side for our last, last 15 minutes or so. Yeah. Okay. So, so yeah, breathing, breathing is the number one, the, the number one thing you can do to activate your parasympathetic nervous system. So you, you go really calm is to breathe correctly. And the beautiful thing about the way our nervous system is set up is your body physically cannot go to the sympathetic fight, flight, freeze, stress response mode. If you deliberately keep it in the parasympathetic rest and digest mode. It can't do the two things at the same time. So I can stop myself. If I was, say, going to have an anxiety attack, I can intervene and stop my body's in its tracks being able to do that by activating my parasympathetic nervous system. Yeah. Biggest, most powerful part of our parasympathetic nervous system is something called the vagus nerve. And it connects multiple connections to the bottom of my brain, the brain stem, all the way through to my tummy. And it, it, it connects to every one of my organs. And so how do I activate the vagus nerve? Well, I, I use diaphragmatic breathing, which is a fancy way of saying I breathe into my belly. And I really focus on a long exhale because when I inhale, that's stimulating. So that's activating the sympathetic nervous system. So when I inhale, I inhale just shallow, just slowly, but then I exhale and the exhale and, and the, the, uh, some of the Buddhist guys who I learned meditation from up at London Buddhist Center, they they call it the soft belly technique. So the whole time I keep a nice soft belly. Yeah. Really important. And that's activating my, my vagus nerve, which is putting me in a nice calm place. The other thing that I do is I, and I've mentioned it before, I use my peripheral vision. When I get under, when you or I or any other human being get under pressure, our vision starts to narrow. And maybe you feel that when you walk out on stage, your vision narrowing. So I deliberately sparkle my eyes I use my peripheral vision and again and I, I smile a little bit as well there's um, it, it, when you smile it sends the message to your amygdala that things are okay because guess what if there was a saber-toothed tiger there you would not be smiling so I'm starting to use my body in every way that I can but mainly breathing mainly breathing one of the reasons I'm stood up when I 
because I run long workshops. They're, they're quite st stressful for me. Uh, I often feel under a lot of pressure. I'm stood up because it promotes my soft belly breathing. So I'm using my diaphragm to inhale rather than inhaling kind of up fast and shallow up into my chest. Really powerful. And it just starts calming you down. And then I've got uh, just two more things on practical um, practical side, you now teach six second relax, which brings all of that together where I, I inhale for three seconds and I say to myself, mind alert. I exhale for three seconds and I say to myself, body calm. At the same time, I expand my peripheral vision and I smile a little bit. And I do all of those things together and over and over again. And so the six second relax is phenomenal. Deeper breaths now. And I, I do actually feel, I do actually feel a little bit more relaxed. Those things, I was a bit nervous because this is my first podcast that, uh, that's yeah, yeah it's definitely yeah. For, for sure. And, and then I've got my little meditations that I do. I do some meditation practice, uh, that's longer, but I do micro meditations throughout the day. So bef when I finish this podcast, before I, get onto this device and whatever's been going on, I'll just look out the window, I'll do my five senses meditation. So I'll be like, what can I see using my sight sense? What can I hear? Uh, what can I feel? What can I smell? Um, and then I'm bringing myself back into the present moment, just maybe for 10, 15 seconds, but I'm causing that gap and I'm pausing between activities just to breathe just to get back I in like, the present I, moment i really like that idea of being the present because my and we'll let's let's go on to some spiritual stuff because sure i i love and, and you've done a lot of reading and i love all of your your advice i know within your within your um coaching sessions you cover a lot of this practical stuff from from things that you've done and i know it's super helpful um a lot of a lot of what i subconsciously or I bring into the coaching and mentoring that i do in, in my workplace is based on my spiritual values and beliefs obviously i have to exercise those a little bit with caution but you know one of the things that um if, if you take fear for example um is, is a really interesting one I, I, not only false evidence appearing real but there's also that it's always future false evidence because there's always things that are going to happen to you and, it, and it's not you know and I, I love the being in the moment because if you just stop and go well actually i'm pretty safe right now if i just look around I breathe, I'm not in danger. And it kind of can give your body that message to actually just relax, calm down, you're going to be okay. But I do think a lot of this for me comes down uh, to control as well. So I'm confident when I can control everything around me and I can control my scenarios. But as I've grown older and you start to have kids, you know, you get married and there's another significant person in your life and you get into a real deep and meaningful relationships with other human beings. I think my my growing mindset around control is that actually I'm in very little control of the things around me that are important. And I think one of the most practical bits of advice that borders going into the spiritual aspect, which I'll touch on, is it's actually okay not to be in control. I think if I can be uncomfortable in a situation I can't control, for me, that really helps me manage my stress. Because if you really want to love someone in a marriage, in a relationship, you have to let them have complete autonomy to love you back and complete freedom without any control or manipulation. And therefore, everything they do, they do out of their own desire. What it means is I can only control myself. I can share how I'm feeling. I can ask how you're feeling, but I can't control your feelings. And so learning to be comfortable in those relationships where you recognize, actually, I'm not going to control this situation, like a presentation or a sales, a customer, you know, a five-year 
10-year customer relationship, I can control my responsibilities, but your reactions, what you want to do in the market, what, where your company is going to be going, the redundancies you make, the supplier decisions you make. Actually, I don't have full control of them. I can influence them, but I can't control them. But for me, understanding the, I think the reality of what I can actually control is quite helpful. And for, for me, having a faith and being a Christian, as you know, being able to recognize, do you know what, God, you are actually in control. If, if in my belief, and I, you made the stars and you made the universe and you, you know, you sent your son to earth who, who died and, and beat death. There's nothing, even death, which is a thing that people feared. It's all outside of my control, but guess what? It's all in your control. So now when I approach work, knowing that I believe a lot of this stuff's in God's control, it actually does give me a sense of peace. Now, I, I, it's an interesting balance for me because I'm like, right, well, I know God's in control. I know God's helping me at work. So if I get an incoming call from a vendor saying, oh, by the way, we work on the same account, I will always think first, right, what is God trying to do to help me here? <laughs> you know, like then if, if, if I'm not in control and things aren't just completely random, I will always try and look for the unsaid thing that God might be trying to help me with. And then I will just go into the practical conversation of what is it you're doing? How can I help you? How can we help each other? But I don't take that other thing out of it. And, you know, even, even me and you, I think, great, is there a – what is God doing in our conversation? And then let's have the fun conversation. And what's the blessing in that? And what am I learning? Is there something I needed to hear? Is there some encouragement that you were going to give me that no one else was going to give me but you? And therefore, it was, you know, that there's those things. But the interesting thing on fear that I wanted to share was um, there's somewhere in the Bible that it says, perfect love casts out fear. And it's an interesting one because a lot of people think the opposite of love is hate. But in the, according to the Bible, the opposite of um, love is actually fear. So when we've got these anxieties and we're stressed, because I, I would consider stress and fear being synonymous with each other to a degree, what I found is doing things in relationship and love being, you know, that not controlling someone else, but being in a relationship with them. Um, I found that to be super powerful to combat, combat stress. So, you know, a, a bit like you said, talking about your feelings with your loved ones and saying, this is how I feel. I found really, really helpful in, managing my stress levels and just being open about, do you know, what? I'm feeling really anxious about this going on today or, um, do you know, these are the things going on at work. I just wanted to share them with you. I don't, I don't want any feedback by the way, honey. I just want to tell you what's going on just so I told you and I'm sharing it. And, and to me, that's experiencing love where you're sharing something with someone. And even, even with my manager, I had it with him where I said, Oh, do you know what? This is what's going on with my accounts at the moment. And I just shared it with him. And just that sharing of what you're thinking to me makes a problem so much easier to manage you know it's it which is amazing and to me that is actually you know you could say oh a problem shared is a problem halved but for me that's it's a little bit of an exercise of love everyone's got a different relationship and different degrees of loving someone else and what they're comfortable with but yeah i, I love that for me knowing that perfect uh that love casts out fear um is, is actually the thing that I used to tackle it the most in stress, which is a, it's a very weird way of looking at it. And, and I always think of it as well, because it's a, it manifests itself physically, but it is often a spiritual thing as well. So is it all my amygdala? Is it all my brain response telling me that my body's reacting or is some of this stuff spiritual, you know, things that have been spoken over you as a child saying you're not good enough that's not a physical thing. That's something that's come into you, but it will, they were words spoken. 
something that says you're not good enough. You know, people have got some people have got those things in their life where you need you sometimes need a spiritual response. You mentioned shame and things like that as well. You know, people might be a bit ashamed of the way they've acted in the past and that's adding stress to their situation. So what's the I always think what what for those things they're they're not they're not physical, do you know what I mean? They're not tangible. They need a you would argue they're spiritual, so they need a spiritual solution. Um, so I always find um I always find that things like love, things like positive words and encouragement can go quite a long way in um yeah, in tackling the spiritual element of why people might be under significant stress in sales or, or in general in their life, you know. Um, how about you? Because you've got some kind of spiritual techniques as well that you use. What would you say your spiritual response yeah. I guess, I guess, um, I guess if you switched out, um, when you say God, yeah. uh, I guess if you switched that word out the universe (laughs) we would probably be very very similar because i think i think what's the universe doing for now what's what you know there's there's a bit i I just think there's something bigger at play here so 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 i refer to consciousness which is what i am that's me that's me and then i've got my mind uh having all these thought random thoughts but 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 so but what am i and and so, and so, for example, I read recent, quite recently Deepak Chopra's Seven Laws of to Spiritual Success or whatever it was. Quite a good book. Um, and I realized that I ticked off pretty much each of the seven because he's all about act in the right way, do the right things, have the right intent, and the universe, you've still got to work, <laughs> but the universe will, will, will will help you because ultimately everything's it's it's a good thing it's a positive thing and and you still have to you still have to take the action but you don't get then so kind of knocked back when things don't go your way and then you know how often have things not gone our way and we've judged them as bad and then actually they turned out to be a good thing in the long run (laughs) <laughs> and so and, and so that's the universe and and i just feel as though um if you act in the right way you try and give as if your priority is giving and 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 rather than taking and that in the sales world that's that's doing stuff from your customer not giving stuff away free of charge to them but just giving your time showing you care you know taking an interest in them and their customers and empathizing with them Yes, coincidences do start happening, and 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 then if you don't behave like that, and you're not your intent is not good, then guess what? You might make a load of money <laughs> and have a flash car and a nice house and all the rest of it, but something's coming that's not going to be great <laughs> because the universe will get involved, and so we're a product of right. And I definitely agree with that. I definitely, I definitely agree with the. The last statement you made around the way you treat your customers in terms of relationally where you're really making an effort to do the right thing for them and help them out they will respond to that and actually that it's interesting because it's, it's, i've thought of this in two separate ways one is again that control and that love element when you're in a relationship so and actually especially when you do deep account director roles where you're in a long-term relationship a bit like a marriage to a degree 
I think the hardest thing that you do personally, I think the hardest thing you do in life is love someone properly, like getting married and being in a long term relationship, because we all recognize we're all flawed and and no one's perfect, including ourselves. And actually, sometimes, you know, selling something once to a customer and moving off to another customer, although it's repetitive and there's challenge in that, it's sometimes easier than actually really building a deep and meaningful relationship with a customer because you start realizing the things where they're professionally inadequate, where they're not as good at getting things done, where they're they're just personally, there's some areas where morally you may disagree and vice versa. They get to know about you and the things that you're, you're not always great at, the things that they, you start to see your weaknesses come through, don't you, as, as, as things happen. So in some degree, that can, be, that can be stressful when you start being vulnerable. But a bit like you said, when you open up that vulnerability and that relationship, actually what happens is people empathize with you and people tend to get on side. And so when you're showing your intent, even though you're not perfect, people tend to want to work with you because you build trust. And, you know, trust kind of says a bit like love is unconditional. Well, trust is probably a bit more conditional because you've earned it, but love is definitely unconditional, isn't it? It's like, and it's weird because it's not, it's not a language you use in business, is it? It's not a language you would say you to love your customer or to, to you know. It but, could be taken the wrong way, David. I think <laughs> it could if you, if you add the, the kind of section. Of it. <laughs> in, in, in a serious context, that they're some of the things from a spiritual perspective have actually helped me in in relationships with customers because I would agree with you it manages it manages your stress level. Now I'm, I'm conscious of time and we've got we've got say sure. a minute left and, and keen to to finish on time. I know we've we've both got calls. I've got, I've got a call at one. What would be your number one tip for managing stress? I mean, just above anything else we've talked about for salespeople, what would be your top? Yeah, tip? sure. If, if you if you're not into the meditation, if you're not into um, uh, the spiritual thing, and um, by the way, I think mind, body, spirit is all connected. I could certainly do more work on, on the body side, but um, but I think it's all connected. If one's out, then then you're not going to get harm in any others. But to answer your question, is change how you think, change what you think about. When I see sellers move from really good kind of strong performers to ultra high performance it's not done over a year it's done instantly because the seller changes their mindset and how do I change my mindset well I deliberately think positively so the first time a thought comes in your head I don't want to do this because I might fail I don't want to take this action and send this email because I'm concerned about the power the person's going to receive it they might not like me you've got to intervene at that moment and change what you're thinking about yeah. so I practice gratitude first thing in the morning so when I wake up in the morning the mind starts whirring away what are we doing today First thing as I think about what am I grateful for? If I have a recurring negative thought or a recurring worry, I think about where I train myself when I get that worry, because I know it's coming, <laughs> I know it's gonna arrive. I deliberately have already chosen the positive thing I'm gonna think about, it might be my son, my daughter, my wife, whatever it might be. And I intervene, I take control. And then I go, I use this type of podcast as a signpost to go get in. What did I hear on that little, ah, little spark there that I use as a signpost to go do my research, read books, listen to more of this, contact me. I'm always here to help. You guys know that. I get lots of people reaching out to me on LinkedIn, WhatsApp, email. But change, get ready when the negativity, when the 
the thoughts come in that stop you taking action, especially in sales, number one thing is take action. Fail fast. <laughs> fail fast. If it's going to fail, then just get it done quickly. But yeah, just intervene. Yeah, intervene what your mind is thinking. It's interesting, about. you know, whilst we've got some differing views on the on the on the spiritual stuff, there's so much that we agree about practically. And, and for me that I've prayed some pretty big prayers for success at the moment at Softcat and, and just in, in business. And it's helping me think positively because I've got a reason to, because I'm saying, well, actually, I think God's going to help me in these areas. It's, it's been great. Actually, I've, I've been praying with more people in business and that we've got Christians in business prayer group where we've actually got people meeting up bi-weekly on a Thursday morning to pray. And we're praying for success. and We're praying for our companies. And, and that that's really given me a confidence to um, to think positively as well. But I love your advice. I love your practical advice you've given us today. I really appreciate the time um, that you spent. I know, you, I know you've also pleasure. This and it's just something that, um, that, that you're, you're, you're not just naturally good at, but you've worked at as well. So um, I know that we, we spend uh, time with you as an organization at Softcat and you're gonna, I'm going to see you more, but, but more than anything, I'm just going to, I'm going to use my round of applause now. I'll check this is the right one. There you go. Just to say thank you for uh, everything you've done. Thank you for your time and your, your yeah, knowledge around uh, sales and managing stress. And uh, yeah, look forward to speaking to you soon. Yeah, definitely, David. Look, it's been wonderful. Thank you for having me on your excellent podcast. And uh, yeah, we must, must do it again soon, yeah? Yeah, speak soon, mate. Take it easy. All right. Cheers. Cheers.